Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and welcome back to the Disney Movie Marathon. This episode is part of a series I made for my main podcast, I Heart Movies, in 2021. I don't have anything new to add to or edit from this one, so I'm going to leave it as is, and we can get right into the episode. Hey everyone, it's Jonathan, and in addition to our full main podcast about Make My Music, I thought I'd give you another little bonus podcast because we had a rather long tangent, semi-relevant to the topic at hand, but ultimately way too long for a podcast about a series of musical cartoons. Before we recorded our podcast on Make My Music, Sarah and I had talked about wanting to make sure that people knew that the segment on the Martins and the Coys was actually based on a real historical feud and wasn't something just made up for the movie. Sarah ended up doing a deep dive into the history of the two families actually involved, the Hatfields and the McCoys, and basically summed up the entire feud in less than 15 minutes. It was really interesting, but ultimately it took up such a huge section of the podcast, especially in comparison to everything else, that I decided to cut it for time, but save it for anyone who's interested to listen to as a bonus episode. So that's what this is, a quick history lesson about the real-life people and events that somehow wound up inspiring a crazy Disney cartoon about two families who almost genocided each other out of existence. A wholesome family cartoon. Now, how much do you know about the Hatfields and the McCoys? Just a little bit. You were telling me the other night. Okay. Um, I'm going to try and give everybody a little 10-minute history. And if I'm wrong about anything, feel free to leave a comment. But there's a long... Okay. People act like it started in 1878. I think it started more in the Civil War era. And I think it's really important... I think, I don't know, this might help to give a little bit of dignity back to the region if you understand a little bit more of what may have been going on with this feud. Okay, Devilance Hatfield and Randolph McCoy lived on the same side of a river valley when they were growing up. And then Randolph, or Randall, moved over to the other side. Okay. There is a fork that goes like, well, you can't see me. How do I describe this? You have Kentucky, where the McCoys lived, and you have Virginia, where the Hatfields lived. And in the Civil War, I believe where Devil Lance lived, split off and became West Virginia, which was pro-Union. Okay, so you have Devil Lance, who was a Confederate, and you have Randolph, who was a Confederate, but you have other people, even within the McCoy family, Randolph's family, who fought Union. I think he had a couple of brothers who fought Union. So this particular area, this borderland, what have you, had that, I don't know if stereotype is the right word, but what people talk about with the brother against brother thing. It's it's more pronounced, I think, in this borderland. And... During the Civil War, Devil Lance broke off from the main Confederate army and did a more joined, or I think he joined, I don't think he created, a more local unit. And even when he was young, he was said to have killed a cougar when he was a child or a teenager. Like, he was already a really scrappy dude. And the McCoy family blamed his Confederate unit for brutally murdering Randolph's Union Army brother 
okay? So you can see, it's, it's a whole web, like this is a long web. But I really think you need to look at, at that when you start thinking about where did all of this start? Because if somebody brutally murdered your brother, you might have some hard feelings. And Devilance, he did really well financially. There was this competition, but Mr. Hatfield, he was generally winning in the financial sector. So you have this potential for not just potential, you have jealousy and competition. So not only did he may or may not have killed this guy's brother, but he's also doing better financially. Okay, fast forward to 1878. There's a dispute about a hog, which to our modern brains, it's like you are fighting over a pig for reals. Like that's, you're just shooting each other over a pig. Well, no, that's not how it went. It was like, you, you you took my pig. This is not right. And there was this whole court trial where it was half Hatfield, half McCoy as the jury. And they couldn't prove that the hog was stolen. But when you think of it this way, the hog could mean surviving or not surviving through the winter. Mm. It could be the turning point between starvation. So this was really probably salt in the wound and... And the judge was a Hatfield. <laughs> and, but he was trying to be fair. And yeah, so that was another mess. Then, okay, here's one way that the cartoon is semi-accurate. A John C. Hatfield, who was Mr. Hatfield's son, fell for Randall McCoy's daughter hard mm. on election day. And they're off in the woods together and... She went and stayed at the Hatfield house, but it was said that Hatfield didn't want them to get married. Well, she was expecting a child, but John C. was a creep. He was a player. She got upset at him, tried to go home. They wouldn't take her back home. She had to go live with Aunt Betty, have the child, but she and John C. were still having a flame. It was a mess. She had the child. She was afraid that her brothers... I think we're going to kill Johnsy. And she got on horseback, even though she was not in a state to be going and breaking this up and managed to quell any violence, I believe. And he actually ended up marrying a cousin of hers. I don't know if at some point they just decided this isn't working. Anyway, the baby died and he married a cousin of hers after, maybe six months after the baby died. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's much worse than the cartoon. <laughs> okay, next election day. The one election day was when John C. and this girl had met. I think her name might have been Roseanne, but I can't remember. Um, next, there's a couple of years later, there's an election day. Okay, here's where it really, really starts to get ugly. Because three McCoy boys get into some kind of an argument or something with Ellison Hatfield, which is Ant's, Devil Ant's brother. And he's trying to somehow be peacemaker. They start knifing him. He gets a, grabs a rock to try and defend himself, and they shoot him. It was like cold-blooded murder. And Mr. Hatfield, instead of leaving it to the law, is insistent that they are going to take down these McCoy boys. So they shoot them. And after that, there was peace. But before all of this had happened... A man named Mr. Klein, who looks 
sort of reminded me of Gollum (laughs) 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 with a beard, (laughs) was married into the McCoy family and he lost legally to Mr. Hatfield because he was chopping down trees where he shouldn't have been chopping down trees. That was Mr. Hatfield's big moneymaker was timber and he had to pay restitution. Mr. Klein, I'm inclined to say that Mr. Klein was a rat because five years went by after this whole stabbing shooting incident that were quiet. Mr. Klein was a lawyer and there was rich coal as well as timber on Mr. Hatfield's property and Mr. Hatfield wasn't selling any of his property and wouldn't it be just so convenient if you could get them tried for the shootings that they did five years earlier. I don't think it was out of kind justice or anything. It was a money thing. Mm-hmm. He was a rat. <laughs> uh, and he was, oh yeah, who knows what all feelings he was feeling. But he was responsible for smearing them in newspaper, helping to foster this barbarian image. Mm. Yes. And this is where Mr. Hatfield got really, really dumb because he tried to work out how he might have even given him money. They had some kind of written agreement, but Mr. Klein wasn't satisfied. He was, Mr. Hatfield was trying to get this thing dropped and be left alone, but Mr. Klein was not satisfied. And Mr. Hatfield, oh, I think they all got drunk. And that's when they went over to the McCoy house and John C., like, why is John C. even involved? Like, you're married to somebody from this, a cousin from, like, what? <laughs> like, how dumb are you? How many bad moral decisions are you going to make in your life, John C.? <laughs> you have a lot to answer for. But he goes over to the McCoy house and he got skittish, fired off. Like, half of this is not going to be about cartoons. It's just going to be about the McCoys <laughs> and, and the Hatfields. But Half the podcast is going to be about the Hatfields and McCoys. Like, I don't know if you can edit it down to the high points or whatever, but I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Because, okay, that alert, he fired a shot, and that alerted the McCoys. They set the house on fire. They shot one of the daughters. I think they beat up the mother. Like, it got really ugly. That's what they should have gone to jail for. But instead, I think eight of them went to jail for life for the other killings five years earlier. And the other one who... I think was maybe a little bit mentally handicapped. He also pleaded guilty, thinking he was just going to go to prison, and he ended up being the scapegoat and was hung. And after that, they were tired out. And Mr. Hatfield, I don't know that it had anything to do with Mr. Klein. I don't know what all... Oh, his business people just went after... I don't know why he wasn't in jail, honestly. But... The leaders, the patriarchs of these families, did not go to jail <laughs> for some reason. Um, but business people basically attacked him and he ended up selling his land for a, a lot less than it was worth. But these people quietly lived out their days. And yeah, so that's kind of the messed up story. You wanted me to research more for this podcast and that's what you get. <laughs> but to me, that's it's not fair to watch that cartoon and 
that's all you take away. If that was your only image of mountain people, it's really not accurate. And I think I could be wrong, but I really think you need to go back to the deep wound of the Civil War and a man with a temper who tried too hard to take the law into his own hands. But anyway, so there you go. Don't don't watch the Martins and the Coys. It's a dumb cartoon. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. Don't watch the Martins and the Coys. It's it's not. It's just not historically accurate or or even that enriching on its own. Even if you have no background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm one. I don't really like the idea of censoring out sections of films. But, like, I don't feel like this is much lost if they end up taking it out. No, I mean, if you releases. if you want to watch it, just watch it with an educated mind. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, yeah, don't bottle raise your kids on it. <laughs> I, I doubt there are many people who were raised on this. It, especially because it's kind of obscure, plus the fact that it even... With the obscurity of the film itself, this is even more obscure because half the releases that have been, that are out there don't have this section in it. Sure. So yeah, that was a very like, and that's the that's the summation of that. <laughs> like there is a whole PBS documentary on it, and I have not seen the whole thing. But yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> Thanks to Sarah for always bringing an interesting historical perspective to the show and for all the research she did for Make My Music and the rest of the package films we're currently talking about on the Disney Movie Marathon on iHeartMovies. If for some reason you missed the full podcast that this was taken from, make sure you listen to that as well. It's chock full of historical tidbits that you won't find anywhere else. And of course, make sure to keep coming back to the show because Sarah and I still have three more episodes coming your way talking about the rest of the movies in Disney's package film era. Until then, thanks for listening. Right foot up, left foot down, by the foot break a hole in the ground. Now you're tall with a smile, but my hands go all wild. Hold me, hold